John chapter 10. John 10, 10. He said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if you've had anything stolen from you, if you've had anything destroyed, anything killed, who did it? The thief. Is the Lord the thief? No, he's not the thief. He goes on to tell, he begins to talk about himself. Now he says, I am come that they might have life. If you have life, who gave it to you? Jesus. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Thank God. And the title of our messages has been the subject of more than enough. More than enough. Jesus came that we might have life. And not just get by, right by, scrape by, meager existence life, but more abundant. We said that word abundant means more than enough. But the King James here says more abundant. And uh, if you're not careful, you'll miss that just reading that through in the text here. But the Greek word that's here translated more abundant literally means super abundant. Abundant means more than enough. But superabundant means more than, more than enough. Amen? Amen? And that's the kind of life that he came to give us. The God kind of life. Eternal life, the scriptures call it. But now when we say eternal life, when the scripture says eternal life, it doesn't mean just living or existing forever. That's part of it. But he's not, if you look up this word, uh, uh, superabundant, it literally means, uh, Greater in quantity, but also superior in quality. How many know God didn't just come to give us, uh, you know, eternal existence, but He came to give us a quality of life, the God kind of life, that we might enjoy the quality of life that God Himself enjoys. The peace of God, the joy of God, the love of God. Amen? The, the, the quality of life that God has. And that's why Jesus came. Amen. It's all summed up by saying he came so that we could have this superabundant God quality of life. Do you believe that? And we've talked about the fact how that that superabundant life affects every area of our existence. Spiritually, mentally, solically, physically, financially. God wants us to have the abundant life in all areas, doesn't he? This same word translated superabundant is in other places in the scripture translated exceeding abundantly above. In another place it's translated beyond measure. You do get the idea that he is not talking about scraping by, is he? He's not talking about just getting by. He's talking about having more than, more than enough. Amen? I like what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9 where it says that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now that's blessed, isn't it? That's prosperous. You've got more than enough for everything and got plenty left over to minister to all kind of good works. Amen. That's the financial and material realm. But how many know that God wants us to have the abundant life spiritually and physically? He wants us to have abundance of joy through fellowship with God. Isn't that right? He wants us mentally and solely to have abundance of peace, doesn't he? Abundance of enlightenment, abundance of peace. Physically, he wants us to have abundance of health and abundance of strength. 
financially and materially, he wants us to have abundance of money and abundance of things. That doesn't mean that everybody's necessarily supposed to be a multi-billionaire, but you're supposed to have plenty. God wants you to have plenty for whatever you need to do in God. Amen. Amen. Plenty. Not just enough, and not even just more than enough, but more than, more than enough. That's literally what that word means. Amen. Now, we also said that so many people are really not experiencing the superabundant life. But that doesn't change the fact that it's God's will for us to live that kind of life. No matter where you're at or why, what I'm, where I'm at, I mean, physically, you may be experiencing anything but the superabundant life. You may just be barely getting through physically. Just barely living. Well, hang on until you can get to the abundant life. Amen? Financially, you may just be scraping by. I mean, you know, like, like some folks say, bar say, barely keeping their head above water. You may have half a nostril above water. I mean, you're just barely getting through. Well, that doesn't mean that's God's will. Just because that's what you've been experiencing, that does not mean that's God's will. Just because you've spent a period of time with poor health and weakness and, and lack of strength and lack of ability, that doesn't mean that's God's will. God came that we might have. Jesus came that we might have. Do you see might, that you might have? In other words, it didn't mean you're going to automatically enjoy it just because he's provided it. It's available to us, but we've got to partake of it, don't we? He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Let's make up our mind that if Jesus thought enough of us and went to the lengths that he did to give us and, and make it available to us to have this kind of abundant life, we're going to have it. If we don't get it in two days, we're going to stay with it till we get it. If we don't learn it all in a month, we're still going to stay with it. Even after pursuing some things, if we're still scraping by, we're not going to let that get us down. We're going to keep on until we get what God came to give us. What Jesus bought and paid for, the super abundant life. Amen. Now we talked about that one reason why so many folk are not experiencing the abundant life is because of imbalances in their life. If you were with us yesterday, we talked about it that, uh, in some detail. We talked about how that we, we must live temperate lives, uh, lives of moderation, which is another way of saying live spirit-led lives. If people are going to extremes and excesses, it's because they're being flesh-led. They're being carnal. How many know that if you're spirit-led, you never go into excesses and extremes? Do you know that? That's right. Now, sometimes people call themselves being spiritual when they get into extremes, but in actuality, it's really being carnal. It's really fleshly activities. A lot of times folk, you understand, sometimes people, they think what they're doing is spiritual, and it's actually carnal. It's actually fleshy. Some things that people think spiritual is carnal. For instance, you know the Bible calls witchcraft a work of the flesh? You know, I mean, you would think of that, well, that's a spiritual operation, but the Bible says it's a work of the flesh. See, operation of the flesh. You find that in Galatians 5. Sure, there's some spiritual, spiritual aspects to it, but it's a work of the flesh. And so many times, even pe when people get into extremes and excesses, again and again, it's fleshly activity, it's carnality. But if you're led by the Spirit, the Spirit will help you live and lead a rightly divided life, a balanced life. Not too much of this, not too little of this. And we don't live by rule books, we live by the leading of the Spirit. Amen. What's too much for this person might not be too much for this person. 
What's enough for this individual might not be enough. We come from different backgrounds. Some of us are, have got a lot in one area and not enough in another. We need a balance there. Sometimes it's just the reverse in another person's life. Isn't that true? So we said that one, one reason why many are not experiencing the more than enough life that God came to give us is because they've got more than enough of some things they shouldn't have and not enough of some things that they should have and there are imbalances and there are problems. But in talking today and concluding some of our thoughts along these lines, we want to talk to you about how to receive the life of God. Amen? Different, different practical ways that you receive this abundant life into yourself. God has given us life. And the scriptures teach that this life is in His Son, Jesus. But just because He's given doesn't mean we automatically enjoy it. We must receive this life. We must partake of this life. And we're going to talk about exactly how you do that. You already know some of these things, but we're going to stir you up by way of remembrance. And then also, if you need to receive a new dose of life today, we're going to be believe that we do. Amen. Amen? Amen? If you're born again, you've got the life of God in you. But how much of that abundant life that's in your spirit are you enjoying in your flesh and mind? Did you hear me? I said, how much of that life that's in your spirit are you enjoying in your mind and flesh? Go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. We're going to begin reading here in verse 6. Read several verses here to get the idea and gist of the message here. Verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 4. It says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, this is talking about what happened in Genesis, you see, at the beginning, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And this is very significant. He's using the illustration of what happened in the beginning when God said light be and light was and light shone in the darkness. He's comparing that to what happens when you get born again. How many know that one day you were lost and in darkness? You didn't know what it was all about. You didn't know why you were here. You didn't know anything. You didn't know God without hope and without God in the world, the scripture says. Oh, but you heard the word. Amen. You heard the word of God and that word dawned on your spirit as in the beginning when God said light be, you were enlightened to your need of salvation and to the provision of Christ. That's the beginning. You can't be saved until you're first enlightened. Isn't that right? And it's a supernatural thing. That's one thing you need to understand in, in, in talking to somebody else about receiving the Lord. Uh, you can't reveal Christ to somebody else. You can be a vehicle that God can use. You can talk to people. But you see, unless the Holy Spirit reaches on the inside of them and turns on the light, they won't see. And if they don't see, they, can't, they won't be saved. You understand that just because you get somebody to pray a prayer with you, that doesn't mean they're born again. Some folk don't realize that. It's a spiritual operation. Folk have to be in, sometimes, there have been situations where some people have prayed with people just to get them to leave them alone. You know what I'm saying? 
would you pray this prayer? Well, okay, fine, fine, pray. And they pray and, you know, they're just as much lost as they were before they prayed the prayer. It is not just verbally quoting something that saves an individual. You understand? It is being enlightened. Amen. To your need of salvation and to the provision of Christ. And not just confessing with your mouth, but believing with your heart. Amen. And confessing with your mouth. Has to be a, a revelation in the heart and then an action and a reception from the heart. It's a spiritual thing, not just a mechanical thing. And, and he's saying that that's what happens. That the light dawns on your heart and shines in your heart. And he goes on to say, verse 7, But we have this treasure, this light, the life of God, the Spirit of God. You remember over in John, he said, let, let me just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. But over in John, he said, verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light. Everybody say, the life was the light. When he talks about this light dawning on our hearts and us receiving the light, what is he talking about us receiving? Jesus, that's true. But what else? Life. If, you, if The light is the life. Did you hear that? The light is the life. The life is the life. So, in talking about this, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Do you have this life and this light in you? What is, what is the earthen vessel? Your body, your physical body. It's made out of earth, isn't it? God can do a fantastic job with dirt, can he? <laughs> it's amazing. But, uh, but our, our bodies are vessels of clay and vessels of earth. But we have in this vessel the tremendous treasure of the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of life, who is the Spirit of light. You're all saying the same thing. The life of God is in this vessel. Notice what he goes on to say, verse 8. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You know the Bible said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Paul is talking about we had some problems. We were troubled, but we didn't let it distress us. We got perplexed about some things, but we didn't despair and get despondent over it. We were persecuted, but we knew we were never forsaken. We were never alone. The Lord was always with us. And there were some times when we were cast down, but we were not destroyed. One translation says, knocked down, but not knocked out. That's the spirit of faith. I said, that's the spirit. Do you understand, though, that some people have, I don't know where they got it, but they have the idea that if you have faith, you don't ever have any conflicts or, or challenges or tests or trials. No, faith does not ensure that you never have any challenges or attacks or tests or trials. Faith ensures that you win. Do you understand? How many believe Paul had faith? Did he ever have any problems? Did he know his rights and authority in Christ? He's the one that by the Spirit of God taught us, you understand. He said, he said, we were troubled, we were perplexed, we were persecuted, we were cast out. I mean, he had some challenges, he had some attacks, but in every one of those, you can hear the spirit of faith rising back up and saying, but we weren't distressed, we weren't in despair, we weren't forsaken, and we weren't destroyed. Amen. Understand this, the devil can work 
And the devil can even hinder you. But unless you quit, he cannot stop you. And he cannot defeat you unless you quit. Even the great apostle Paul on different occasions, he said, we would have come unto you once and again, but the devil hindered us. Somebody said, what do you mean the devil? Why didn't you just take your authority and go on? Well, he did. And he did, he did get through. But there were hindrances. The devil is able to do some things. He is able to attack. He is able to, to hinder you. But that's, if you won't quit, that is all he can do. Amen. You just got to make up your mind, you know, like it goes on to say, previously says here in 2 Corinthians 2, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. You just make up your mind, I might have been hindered on this, I might have been seemingly delayed a little bit on this, or I held up on this, this might have been a little struggle, but it's not over. And I'm not giving up, God said this, the Word says this, I'm holding on to it, I'm believing it. Amen? That's why the Scripture said, through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. Did you know your faith will carry you no further than your patience will persist? You know that? Let me say it like this. You don't really have any more faith than you do patience. People don't usually shout too much when you say that, but do you know that? Patience, faith is believing God, you know. It's taking what he said and believing it, expecting what he said to come to pass in your life. Your prayer to be answered, your confession to come to pass. Expecting, believing that you've received in your heart and in the spirit and then in the natural expecting to see it and feel it. But patience is that spiritual force that undergirds you so that you keep on doing it day after day, week after week, feel good, feel bad, no matter what comes, you just keep on keeping on. See, it's not enough just to believe God for a little bit and quit. you got to believe God and believe God and believe God. Well, brother, I'm trying to do everything else. What do I do now? Believe God and stand. Amen. And when you've done everything you know to do, then you stand. And that takes what? Patience. Now, see, the Greek word translated patience doesn't mean just passively waiting to see if God's going to do anything. That'd be unbelief. That Greek word means perseverance, and it means endurance. Amen? Endurance. I mean, you, you believe God, you prayed your prayer, you believe God, and you just keep on believing. You don't change, you don't quit, you don't back up, you don't back off. Amen? It may look like you're going to sink. It may look like you're going to drown. It may look like you're not going to make it, but you don't quit. You know, it may work. See, one of the enemy's favorite tactics is uh, to wear you down. And they're right. He knows he can't defeat you. But he knows if he can come and get you strong enough and long enough and wear you down and get you discouraged, you may quit. And if you quit, he wins. Do you understand that? Whether you're talking about healing, whatever you're talking about. So that's why the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. In other words, if you don't give up and quit. And like the scripture said over in Hebrews 10, cast not away your confidence, for it has great recompense of reward, so that after you've done the will of God, you might inherit the promise. Hebrews 3.14 says, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Amen? Went on to say, hold fast your confession of faith. Why would the Bible tell us all these things? Because that we have an adversary. He'll come to hinder us. 
He'll try to wear us out and wear us down. Oh, but praise God, the greater one lives in you. And the Bible said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And having done all to stand, stand. Somebody said, how long should you stand? Well, how long do you believe the word? How long is the word true? You don't ever quit. Amen. Even after you see the fruition of what you believe for, you, is it time to change what you believe? No, you just keep standing. I mean, you believe the same thing on and on. And like Jesus said, heaven and earth would pass away, but that word won't pass away. You can stand on it forever. Once you find out the truth, embrace it, believe it, confess it, stand on it, and don't ever get off, don't ever change. Like he said, hold fast your confession of faith without wavering. Praise God. So do you see, when talking about this life that God has given us, he begins to talk about faith here. And verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now see that, you know, that's confusing to many people. But what he's talking about is what he just got through referring to, being troubled, being perplexed, being persecuted, being cast down. There are things we go through in trials and tests. Isn't that right? And we get to partake of Christ's sufferings in a measure in those areas. The Bible teaches these things. Now, he didn't say anything about suffering from being sick with sickness or disease. He didn't say anything about suffering, poverty and lack, just because of, you know, uh, lack of provision. Because the Bible says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But, he's talking about, you know, that we experience some of these trials and deaths. But notice what he said, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Where? In your body. Now, now back up a little bit. Remember what he said to us? He said the light has shone in our hearts. Just like it shone in the beginning when God said light be, and we know that that light is the life. And we've got that light, and we've got that life in these earthen vessels. Amen. And while we're here in these earthen vessels, we're in the realm where there are devils and demons and sickness and disease and problems and crazy people. You understand? And we're going to experience challenges. And we're going to experience things that are death coming against us. Oh, but when we do, he said the life of Jesus can be made manifest even in your body. Go on reading. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Talking about the same thing. Persecutions and trials. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Now you can't say it any plainer than that. No way you can hyper-spiritualize this. He's talking about this body. The one you have to wash and comb your hair every day. Isn't that right? This body. Do you have the life of Christ in you? The life of God. Is that life dwelling in you? Can that life be made manifest in your body? In your physical body? Thank God. Yes, yes, yes. Let's go back and read that familiar portion of Scripture that we, uh, we, we quoted a few moments ago. Back in Romans 8. Let's go back and look at it. Read it. Romans 8, 9. All through this seventh chapter... And now into the eighth, he's been talking about the flesh and the spirit, the carnal man and the spiritual man. And he's been talking about the problems with the natural man and the carnal man. And he's been talking about the nature of God in the inner man or the, the spirit man. 
And he says in verse 9 of chapter 8, Romans, he says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. How many know when you're born again, the Spirit of Christ comes to dwell in you? But now also you can be filled with the Spirit and have the Holy Spirit upon you in power for service. Did you notice every time that it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, it talks about the Spirit being on them rather than in them. Because if you're born again, you already got the Spirit in you. But until you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, you don't have the Spirit upon you to anoint you in power for service. Do you understand? That answer a lot of questions. If folk, you know, because some people try to think, well, if you say, well, if you, <laughs> that people say that unless you speak in tongues, you don't have the Spirit. That's not true. If you're born again, you have the Spirit in you. But that's not all the Spirit that you need. Amen. That's all you need to be saved and go to heaven. But it's not all you need to be a powerful witness for Christ in this life. Amen. When you're born again, you've got the Spirit within. Amen. Every born again child of God has got the Spirit of Christ within. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ within, you're none of His, He said. Isn't that right? You don't belong to the Lord. Every saved person has the Spirit of Christ. But, glory to God, there is an endowment of power from on high, the baptism in the Holy Spirit where one is filled with the Holy Ghost to overflowing, and there's an endowment of power upon the individual with the unction and utterance of speaking in other tongues, also the entryway into all the manifestations and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? amen. And uh, he says here, verse 10, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Now that's not very flattering, but that's the way it is. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now here the, the word Spirit is capitalized, but really I believe this refers to the human spirit. You see, when you're born again, your spirit is made alive where it was previously dead. You understand that? Well, let me back up a little bit. A bunch of you put the brakes on me right there. Uh, you understand that the word Spirit Sometimes it's capitalized, sometimes it's not. That was not inspired. The translators put that in just like they did the numbers and verses and captions. You have to look at the context to see whether it's talking about Holy Spirit, human spirit, demon spirit. You understand? The word pneuma is used in a wide variety of ways. Not always talking about the Holy Spirit and not always talking about the human spirit. You have to look at the context. But he says the body is dead because of sin. Now, we may not like to, to think about it that much, but, but our body has been affected by death, and even now death is working in, it, in even what we would call a normal, healthy body. Death is in that body. One of the easiest ways to see it is that it is aging. That's what, what is that? That's the process of dying. We don't like to think about it. I mean, that's not very, you know, wonderful thought, but, but uh, it's the truth. Isn't that right? Aging means you're dying. Eventually you'll die. And in this present life, the Lord didn't tell us that we'd live down here forever in this mortal state. He did promise us a long life if we'd walk with Him. He said, with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. It's God's will for all of His children to live a long, fruitful life. But 
death is working in the body. Back over there in 2 Corinthians where we were reading, you don't have to turn back there, but that same fourth chapter, he said, though this outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed day by day. Now see, even in, in a body we would call healthy and strong, there's death in that body. You know, because when you're born again, it's not your body that got born again. It's your spirit that was dead and is made alive. One of these days, though, what happened to your spirit, a similar form of it's going to happen to your body. Amen. Glory to God. The trumpet's going to sound. Amen. The dead in Christ are going to rise. And if we're alive and remaining, the power of God's going to strike us and flow through us. Same spirit we've known all of our born-again life, only it's going to be a much greater measure than we've ever experienced. It's going to be so strong until our mortal body can't take it. And after it gets through flowing through us, our body will no longer be mortal. It'll no longer be corruptible or mortal. Mortal means death doomed or capable of dying or susceptible to death. I've heard people sometimes say, bless the hearts, they say, well, you know, I believe in healing. And I believe that all will be healed, but I don't necessarily believe it's God's will for all to be healed in this life. I believe it's God's will for some to be healed. Some people will be healed in the millennium. You'll be healed in the millennium. Well, now, wait a minute. Healing presupposes that you have a body that's susceptible to sickness. Do you understand? And if you are made immortal, immortal means you're not even subject to age or sickness or weakness. If you're not subject to being weak or sick, you won't need healing. Is that right? So if you want to enjoy healing, you better take advantage of it now because later you won't need it. Do you understand? I mean, take advantage of healing. Use it now. Use it all now. Because later on, you won't even be subject to it. Immortal, incorruptible, that's not subject. It's susceptible to sickness and weakness and the frailties that we experience now. Aren't you glad? One of these days, glory to God. The power of God's going to flow through us and we're going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. But do we just have to let whatever happens happen until then? No. God gave us what the Bible calls the earnest of our inheritance, the first fruits of our inheritance. Now, first fruits and earnest means, in, in different language, kind of means a down payment or a small, small foretaste of what is to come later. Later on, what are we going to get? Immortal bodies. Incorruptible. I mean, we're going to be completely changed. I mean, our molecules are going to be rearranged. Isn't that right? I mean, completely different. Immortal. But right now, we don't have all of that, but we do have a foretaste of it. And that's what he describes here in this portion of Scripture. Verse 11. But, he says, if the Spirit... He's already said your body's dead because of sin, but the Spirit's alive or life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, does He? He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. And somebody said, well, yeah, but now, brother, that's just talking about that He's going he's to raise them from the dead one day. Well, no. We just got through reading, though, another aspect of this. He just got through saying in 2 Corinthians 4 that the life of Christ can be made manifest in your mortal flesh, in your mortal body. He's talking about here and now because he's talking about how that he was quickened when he was persecuted, when he was cast out in this life. How many know we need quickenings? 
as we go through this life, we need quickenings in spirit, we need quickenings in mind and soul, and we need quickenings in our body. Have you ever felt or sensed uh, the, the quickening of the Holy Spirit on your body? See, this is the first fruits of our inheritance. We don't get the whole thing right now. Later on, we're going to get all of it. But right now, we've got a small portion. Actually, what a quickening is, the quickening of the Holy Spirit in your body, is actually a little mini dose of what's going to happen in the resurrection. You know what I mean by that? You get a little mini resurrection. And you should have many of these mini resurrections as you go through life. You know what I'm talking about. The quickening of your mortal body to heal you, to strengthen you for service, to do what you need to do for the Lord. Amen. I know the Lord, the Lord has done things for me along this line before, even as a minister. I get opportunity to minister quite a bit, and it takes more out of you physically than what you might think. If you, if you haven't done it very much, in, in different kinds of ministry, it takes more out of you. Uh, there's been some times, some weeks, I, I've spoken and ministered 20 times in a week or more, have several ministry lines, and, and, and it can take a lot out of you. Uh, and, you know, I realize that's, that's, a, that's a heavy schedule. Uh, but if the Lord wants you to do it, He can grace you to do it. Yeah, amen. amen. But there have been times where I've traveled great distances, and I'm just tired, I'm just worn out. And yet I need to minister, and I need to do a good job. And the Lord has quickened me. Amen. I mean, just quickened me. The power of God just flowed through me, and I forget that I was tired. Just forget about it, you know, just completely leaves my mind and you're quickened and empowered. Amen. I remember one time I was, I was a few, I don't know, a couple of states away from here and uh, through a series of events, I had lost a good bit of sleep one night, drove about all night and only got about four hours the next night. So after about three days, I'm behind. I'm really behind. And, if, and, and driving in about, you know, 12 hours from a particular place, and uh, I mean, for the last several hours, just trying to get here, I'm just having visions of the bed. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, you, you, you think, well, I'll rest this eye a little while, and, and I mean, you, you, you're hurting. How many know what I'm doing? You ever been there? You're hurting for sleep. You, 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 you needed sleep yesterday, you know. And so I had some things, some services that I that I was to to minister in, and I thought, you know, man, I, I'm not I'm not in any shape to minister. I just need to see if I can get somebody else to take that. And so I, I'm fully intending, as soon as I get home, I'm going to just call and say, you know, can you do this or can you do that? I'm just not in any shape. And uh, so when as soon as I got home, I, I I hadn't been there but just a few minutes, and the phone rang. So I answered the phone. It was one of the persons I was going to call, and they said. Uh, they said, just want to call, let you know that we have some extra things that we wanted you to do today on some things here and there. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you know, now I'm, I was going to tell you, you know, that, and I'm just thinking this. But I, I heard myself saying, okay, fine. And I hung up the phone and I said, what am I, what did you do? And, and then I realized, well, you know, these, we need to do some things. I need to do it. So, so let's just believe God. So I asked the Lord to help me, got ready, came on. Boy, I'm feeling draggy. You know what I mean by that? Draggy. And uh, uh, got in. I looked at some of my helpers. I said, pray. <laughs> and uh, I went up to the front, started by faith. And I mean, just a few seconds, the anointing came on me. Quickened me. I mean, I forgot all about being tired. And just preached. 
And boy, we had a service and people got healed. Glory to God. And I thought, man, you know, I feel like I've slept for 10 hours. You know what I mean? I'm ready to go. And then later on, I went back to my office and doing some other things, sat down and got still for a little while. And then, boy, I felt like a truck had run over me. You know, the anointing lifted from me. But what I'm just saying that the Spirit of God will quicken you. Now, he'll quicken you to help you to work for him, but he'll also quicken you just when you're weak. You may not have a service to go to. You may not have a particular thing that you need to go do, but God just loves you. He just wants you to be in good shape. He'll quicken you. He didn't say he'll just quicken you for ministerial purposes. He said if that spirit dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. Amen. And you may be encountering different things that have weakened you and taken its toll on you and maybe physical attacks of problems, diseases that have weakened you and taken its toll on you and you need to be quickened. Amen. Amen. Well, I want you to know God's in the quickening business. You're not going to be so quickened that you become immortal, but you can sure get a good quickening that can help strengthen you and get you back on the right track and get you feeling better and get your body to working right again and get healed and whole and strong. Amen. That's the will of God for all of us. That's the first fruits of our inheritance. All of us should be enjoying it. Do you believe it? But now how do we receive this? Go with me. Why don't you over to... Uh, let's just go back to John, first of all. The book of John. And let's look at the fourth chapter. In John, the fourth chapter, you know that Jesus was talking here to a woman at, at the well of Samaria. She came to draw some water. He asked her for a drink. And she began to bring up the, all the prejudices that exist between the Samaritans and the Jews. And uh, all those things. And Jesus told her, he said, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that said to you, give me the drink, you would have asked of him, he would have given you living water. You know, uh, the life of God is typified and referred to as water of life, isn't it? Water. And you know, it's just as real as water. It's a spiritual quantity, but just as real. And uh, he said to her, you'd have asked of me. And she said, well, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well is deep. And, and, you know, he, uh, she, she went on to say, you know, where are you going to get this water? And verse 14, uh, Jesus said, uh, verse, verse 13, he had said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, in Revelation it says, I'll just read this to you because this go. you don't have to turn there, but I, I'll just read it to you. In the 22nd chapter, the last chapter, in verse 17, it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Oh, praise God. Their Bible talks about streams that flow from the throne. Amen. Of water of life. And Jesus said later in the seventh chapter of John, he said, uh, he that believes on me, as it's written, out of his belly, out of his belly would flow rivers, rivers of living water. And it said, but this spake he of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
And thank God the Holy Spirit is in us. And this, this well of living water is in us. And these rivers of living water are there to flow up in us and out of us for others. But how do we tap into these? You know, it's a, it's a, a challenging thought and a sobering thought to realize that so many Christians whose minds are half dead and their bodies are half dead, they have within their spirit an endless supply of water of life. But they don't know how to tap into it. And they don't know how to, to allow the water of life to splash over into their mind and soul and body. They don't know how to drink. And yet the Bible said, come and drink. Come and drink. Many of you may be familiar with the book, Christ the Healer. Uh, Brother F.F. F. Bosworth authored the book. And one thing I like about uh, books like that is that, uh, oh, it's just full of the word. But uh, Brother Bosworth was a man who lived what he preached and enjoyed the fruit of what he preached. In, in his later life, he, he's an older man now. Uh, he had several young ministers that traveled with him, and they were constantly telling him, how do you do it? It's hard for us to keep up with you. I mean, you go and you preach, 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 and you travel here and preach, and travel here and preach, and sleep a little bit, and get up and preach, and go, and we're, we're, you know, we're worn out and tired, and you're still going, and you're twice as old as some of us. How do you do it? He said, well, I guess I've just learned to drink a little longer at the fountain than some folk have. Amen. And that's the truth. It's not that God is stingy with the water of life. It's not that God only gives certain people permits to access this water of life. It's the matter that not everybody realizes how to drink and how to take advantage of that. Amen. Do you realize, like we were singing a moment ago, there's a river of life inside of you. Is that true? We sing it. Do we believe it? There's a river of life flowing out of me. Amen. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Glory to God. Do we believe that? Is Does the greater one live inside of us? Who is he? He's, he? It's the Spirit of Jesus. Yes, it's the Spirit of God. But it's the same Spirit that was on Jesus through all of his earthly ministry. Jesus attributed all of his works to the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil for God is with him. The Bible tells us all that Jesus did, he did in and by the power of the Holy Ghost. When the eyes of the blind were opened in Jesus' ministry, who did that? The Holy Spirit on and in Jesus. Amen? When the lepers were cleansed, who did that? The Holy Ghost. When the lame were restored and the dumb could speak and the deaf could hear, who did that? The Holy Spirit. I mean, when the dead were raised, who did that? Holy Spirit and that same Holy Spirit. Not a different one. Not a part of Him. Him. He. That Holy Spirit lives in you. Is in your spirit right now where you sit on that chair. He's in there. He's in me. He's in you. Oh, I'm telling you what, if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ ever realizes who lives inside of them, who he is, what he can do, and learns to yield to him and let him flow in and out and through, my, 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 mighty things will happen. Well, how do you drink? The Bible's very specific in talking about these things. When he's talking about drinking of this water, what is he talking about? 
In John, let's just back up a little bit. John, the third chapter. John, chapter 3. It says in verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What do you keep hearing all through this passage? Believe. 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 Do you have eternal life in you? How did it come to be that it came into you? You believed. And when you believed in your heart and spoke out words of receptivity with your mouth, what actually happened? You drank in that life. Didn't you? You allowed that life to come into you. How is it that we drink of the water of life? Through believing. Through faith. Amen? And through faith-filled words. We reach out. But it's not just words, but it's released through words. That you draw into yourself. That which you're reaching out in faith for. The Bible said concerning the prayer of faith, over in Mark eleven twenty four, it said, What things serve you desire, when you pray, what do you do? Believe. Believe, Believe what? Believe. That you receive. Now we've quoted that, we've heard that many times, but did you get that? What, whatever you desire, when you pray, Believe. Believe what? Believe that you receive. Isn't that right? Now, this may sound like a fine point, but it's a very important point. I've, I've talked with people in healing lines before. And go down through the healing line sometimes and ask folks, you know, well, what, what did you come for? What, what, did, what, do you come, what do you believe? And boy, you can get a lot of different answers. Well, I believe that God loves me. Well, that's good. But that's not what he said, believe. What did he say, believe? Believe that you receive. I've had people say, well, I believe that, uh, I believe that God wants me to be healed. That's great. But that's not enough. What do you got to believe? That you receive. Well, I believe it's God's will for us all to be healed. Excellent. But that's not what he said, believe. So now you need to believe these things, all right. But what is he, how, how do you drink? How do you drink? Well, I believe that God loves us and I believe in the Holy Ghost and I believe that God's able and, and I believe... See, many times people have told me, well, so-and-so, they got a lot of faith. I don't know why they're, why they're not healed. Yeah, but when they say a lot of faith, they mean well, they have great confidence that God's able or they have great confidence that it's God's will for them to be healed. But see, that's not enough. Amen. Do, you, do you hear? Amen. What did he say to believe? Right then, when you're asking, believe that you receive. Amen. Amen. You've got to believe that what you're desiring comes into you. And that's how you drink. It's not a physical drinking, it's a spiritual drinking. Isn't it? And that's where people have gotten, you know, confused. And, and folks, well, I don't understand, why don't I enjoy it? If it's mine, if it belongs to me, why am I not enjoying it? You've got to believe that you receive. Well, I believe that some way, you know, somehow God's going to bless me. No. You're just waiting to believe when you see and feel things are changed. I believe God loves me. Well, that's great. 
I believe he wants me to be healed. Great, but that's not what he said. What did he say? Everybody tell me. Believe that we receive. Believe that you receive. When you pray, believe, believe. Didn't you stop there? He's very specific as to what you're to believe. Believe that you receive them. Talking about them things that you asked for, won't it? Believe that you receive them. Amen. At some point, if you're going to drink of this water of life that we're talking about and get quickened, you've got to lift up your heart and you've got to ask the Lord for what you want or you've got to believe it's already provided in redemption as the case might be. And you've got to buy faith. It's all right to ask, but once you've asked, you've got to believe that you receive. By faith, you can't see it, you don't feel it, but you believe it begins to come into me now. You believe I'm drinking, I'm taking it into me by faith. Don't say, well, I, I don't feel a thing. That's got nothing to do with it. You feel later. Amen. Amen. Start drinking by faith. We lay hands on folk, but uh, we don't do it every day. And it's not necessary for folk to be healed. People can be healed any number of ways. We've got testimonies of people that have been healed just while they sat in the chair, just like what you're doing right now. Nobody prayed a special prayer for them. Nobody laid a hand on them, but they were healed from terminal disease. We've got testimonies of people that were healed while we sang and praised God. We had testimonies of people that were healed while they danced before the Lord. People that were healed while they knelt by their chair and prayed during a time of prayer. Amen. Why? Because they received. They received. While they were singing, they received. While they were dancing, they received. While they were shouting, they received. While they were sitting on the chair, they just opened up and started drinking. I mean, it's one thing to hear something with your mind and think about it, and it's another thing to reach out with your heart and start drinking, believe and I receive it. I remember I was in another auditorium here on the campus teaching on healing one time and talking about some things about the Word of God and the Word of life and some things. And a woman over in the right-hand part of the auditorium, uh, it was a smaller, much smaller group, and we were very informal, and I had told them they could ask a question if they wanted to. And I was right over close to her. And 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 while I said something, she just spoke up. She said, excuse me. I said, yeah. She said, uh, uh, do you mean such and such and such and such? Repeated what I had said. And I said, yeah, that's what the Scripture says. She said, you mean this and this? And I said, yeah, that's exactly what the Scripture says. That's what we're saying. She said, oh. <laughs> now this lady, the hand that she, I forget whether it was a right hand or left hand, but she was, uh, it was the hand that was her hand. Like if she's right-handed, it was her right hand. I forget which one it was. It was the one she wrote with, the one she did most everything with. And through, I forget, some kind of rheumatoid condition perhaps, it was all drawn and she had pain constantly. She couldn't pick things up. She couldn't write anymore. I mean, it, it was a real problem. And it had been like that for some time. And uh, that's all she said. And right after the service, she walked up to the pulpit going, Look at this. And I mean, her hand was loose and free. Well, you see, when she heard and understood what the Word said, she just thought, I receive that. I'll take that. Not just a mental thing, but spiritually she reached out and believed she received it. And just like that, her hand started loosening up and she was healed by the power of God. I didn't pray for her. I didn't lay a hand on her. What are you to believe? Believe that you receive. See, it's got to be some point 
Well, you're not waiting to see if anything's going to happen. You're not waiting for God just to drop something on you. There's got to be some point where at this point, I believe it starts coming into me. And you're not checking to see if it is by feeling. You believe it is whether you feel it or not. You believe it's coming into you. You believe it begins to work in you. Brother Hagin tells the story about a little child that was crippled. Had to have braces on its legs. Because it couldn't walk, you see. Crippling disease. Had been that way for several years. Its mother had to carry it everywhere. Had to bathe it. Had to feed it. Even though it was big enough and old enough, it should be able to do those things for itself. And uh, the child came up in the in the line. The mother brought the child with the, all these braces and everything. Brother Hagin laid, laid hands on the child. And he told the mother, you know, there was no outward change. But he told her, he said, if it's any consolation to you, he said, I sensed a stronger anointing when I laid hands on that child than anybody else in here tonight. He said, believe that power. And see, he told her what the Lord had told him to say about these things. Believe that, 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 that I'm anointed and believe that that power has gone into that child and is working in that child. Well, she took the child home. Looked no better. Took the braces off. The limbs just as bent, just as gnarled and crooked. Put her to bed. Next morning, got her out of the bed, carried her into the bathroom, going to give her a bath. Ran the bath water. And while she was trying to bathe the child, the limbs were drawn around, no change, nothing on the outside at all. She began to cry. Tears began to fall down into the bath water. She began to cry and say, Oh Lord, I so wanted my baby to be healed. I'd so hoped and thought that something would happen for her in the healing line. And she said, just like that, the Spirit of God spoke up in her. said, do you believe that Brother Hagin's a liar? Do you believe that the preacher, the man of God's a liar? Do you believe that the power of God is not real? She said, well, no, no. Well, he said that he, that that power of God went into, into the child. You believe that? You see, the Spirit of God's dealing with her. She got it. She said, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. Yeah, I believe. I believe that power went into her. I believe it's working right now. She said, just like that. She started hearing cracking sounds. And those limbs straightened out right there in that bathtub. Just like that. And the child was healed by the power of God. So that power was ministered to her the day before. Isn't that right? Amen. But do you see how close she was to losing it? How close she was to missing out. Because what do you got to believe? You got to believe that you receive. Amen. Amen. Not just hope that something may happen sometime. You got to believe that you receive. And then once you believe that you've received, you got to believe that power's in there. It's working. Whether you feel it, whether you don't, whether you see it, whether you don't, and whether time passes, you got to keep believing. It's working. That power is working. It's working in me now. Can you say amen? amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.